Alright, legends. Welcome back, dude, to yet another episode of Get Around Me. What a time it is to be alive, truly. This podcast refuses to stop. You know, can't stop, won't stop this pod. And I'd like to kick things off this week, uh, possibly a little bit more genuine than people are used to, perhaps a little more earnest than what is traditionally associated with the Get Around Me brand. You know, when you think about Get Around Me, what do you think about? You think about banter, you think about hilarious yarns, you think about intense right-wing political chat. And you think about some of the more aggressive cricket analysis the world has ever seen. Okay, these are the four pillars of the podcast. And I'd like to sort of just steer away from them for a second, if I possibly could. If you guys will indulge me in a little bit of uh, sentimentality for a second here. I'd like to start this episode with a heartfelt apology to about 95% of the state of Queensland. Okay, now I have been traditionally pretty aggressive towards the state of Queensland. Uh, There was the whole border thing during COVID. My friend Andrew Barnett has the best joke about this. He goes, he goes, when they closed the border to Queensland and they told me I was too dirty to get into the Gold Coast, you know, he goes, no, (laughs) he goes, well, I can't come into the Gold Coast with an infection. He goes, no one gave a fuck when I left with one last year, you know, and that's sort of the energy I, I, sort of took to the whole state. Okay, you shut the borders. I thought, these goddamn Queensland dogs, when will they get it? When will they get with the program, you know? When will they fall in line with their East Coast brothers and sisters? And I went to Brisbane over the weekend, loved Brisbane, went to the Gold Coast over the weekend, Surfers Paradise. And I realized that I have been projecting my feelings for Surfers Paradise The Gold Coast, but Surfers Paradise specifically. I have been projecting those feelings onto the great state of Queensland, okay? Now, I've only been to Surfers Paradise twice in my life. Once for schoolies, once for uni games, which is basically just uni schoolies, okay? Now, they were were more or less like tours of duty, those trips. To describe either of those trips as relaxing in any way, shape, or form would be a flat-out lie. It's not something I'm going to start doing today, okay? 204 episodes of this podcast and not a single lie, and I'm not going to start today, especially when it comes to the dark truths surrounding Surfers Paradise. I hate Surfers Paradise so much, dude. Like, we were there on Saturday night, and it is not chill there, okay? It's just like... It feels like everyone there, if you ask them what their favorite restaurant is, they'd say grilled. You know, that's kind of the vibe at Surface Paradise. It's like, how can we get the most general humans on the planet and bring them all together in in a strip of capitalism like we've not seen before? You know, I, I, I heard on the way into the Gold Coast, apparently this is true. Apparently it was actually based on Miami in Florida. Now, look that up, okay? Do some research, because Lord knows I did not. But apparently that's why, yeah, there's a place uh, called Miami on the Gold Coast. And uh, also it was built on Miami, I think because of the canals. Again, look that up. This is what another white guy told me. So as a white guy, 
I'm bound by honor to go in on this, not only believe it personally, but also spread it um, around the world as truth, okay? It's the white guy code and I'm upholding it. But yeah, I mean, if it was based on Miami, a lot has been answered for, okay? Everyone's buying like fake Gucci clothes on Surface Paradise. They're like, can you believe it? A Gucci bag for $35. It's like, I can't believe it. I really cannot believe it. You know, Surface Paradise is kind of like the Easter show with no wood chopping, you know? It's just people paying $75 for fucking candy canes and fingering each other in porta potties It's absolutely disgusting what's happening in Surface Paradise and, to a lesser extent, the Royal Easter show, okay? But I did... Uh, I mean, there's a lot, obviously, there's a lot of bucks and hens parties up there. You see, I tell you what, some of these hens parties rolling around Surfers Paradise and bucks parties for that matter. But I tell you what, I reckon we got some nervous partners back home. You know, the missus says, all right, we're off for the hens party. It'll be three nights on the GC, no questions asked. Good luck sleeping a wink, you know? If your missus has half a sleeve tattoo, don't send her to the Gold Coast for her hens, okay? Not unless you want to potentially lose everything. Okay, I saw some hens up there who looked like they were were there for business, not pleasure, if you know what I mean. Okay, and I know you would think, Bill, if you're implying this hen is going to be cheating on her husband and she's not there for pleasure, you've got that all mixed up. But I'm telling you, you didn't see the look in these chicks' eyes. She was going to cheat and it was going to be business, okay? So it's a wild place. I ran into Kaylin Ponga in a cubicle, but... uh. He had just bought an apartment with a friend of his, so everything was above board there. And uh, it's just a disgusting cesspool of of a place, and I don't know really what else I can say about it except to apologize to the great people of Southeast Queensland who I have personally lumped in with these animals for God knows how long, okay? So there's apologies there. Dude, the weirdest thing is surface paradise like 9 p.m. You're walking around. You see families just milling about, walking the, the strip, you know? It reminds me of when I was in Phuket in Thailand. I remember I've never seen so many uh, prostitutes in one location, be, it, be them transgender or otherwise, okay? You know, the streets are just filled to the brim with prostitutes and some of the happiest 63-year-old white guys I personally have ever seen. But then you'd be milling around, you know, all this fucking filth and dark arts happening all around you. And then you just see a family walk past with like a four-year-old and a seven-year-old. And it's like, mate, what are you doing? Take the kids to Coffs Harbour or something. Is Phuket, Thailand really the first stop on your fucking family extravaganza? You know, has your eight-year-old got the same disease as Hasbullah? Is he actually like 23 and ravenous for some transgender prostitutes? Because if he is, I apologize for stereotyping your family. But if he is a traditional four-year-old, I would truly question why you would have your four-year-old walking the streets of Phuket at 9 p.m. on a Saturday night. What they'd be getting out of this from a holiday perspective is truly beyond me. So... Absolutely fuck Surface Paradise. That place gives me the creeps. And if you're taking your young family there on a Saturday night, maybe you just didn't get enough out of your Bucks party in the 90s and you're trying to claw something back. But anyway, I don't want to get too weird about that. I think it's pretty clear. I feel very strongly about Surface Paradise. 
And uh, yeah, I've just been traveling around Queensland the last couple of weeks doing comedy. And every time I've been not in surface paradise, I've been like, dude, I fucking love it here. Okay. Sunshine Coast, you know, went to Tweed. Uh, what is it? Cool and Gadda, Byron Bay. I know that's New South Wales. And then Brisbane, I've got a lot of time for. And then I went back to Surfers Paradise and I was like, this, this is the feeling I've been talking about. These are the people, you know? So apologies to the people of Queensland, okay? But anyway, I've harped on long enough. I apologize. I miss my ex-girlfriend, etc. Let's crack in to the yarns from what was a pretty eventful weekend, okay? So I did a Brisbane Encore show, last show of the tour for Fourth Grade Ratbag, which I toured nationally this year. Show was sold out. Thank you so much to everyone who came. Really appreciate it. Really fun show. Let's crack into the yarns surrounding it. So it was a public holiday on the Thursday, uh, possibly due to the Queen's death. I have it on good authority. The public holiday was to honour me selling 80 tickets in the wonderful city of Brisbane. Okay, I've already thanked Charles previously and uh, I won't get into thanking him again, but it was appreciated, okay? So I get up at 5.15 on said public holiday. Macca and Adzi were on the source the night before and I dutifully went to bed after about six beers. And so I wake up at like 5.30 on the public holiday. It is pouring with rain. Not in the best headspace. My attitude, lacking. Okay? Anyway, as I get on the bus to the airport at 6am, I get a text from Jetstar that my flight has in fact been cancelled. Okay? That's fine. These things happen. Go with the flow, Bill. They say, click here to get your replacement flight free of charge. I said, well, that's fantastic because I'm, that's exactly what I need in this moment. I click on that. There are no replacement flights available for the day I'm traveling to Brisbane. I can get one the next day, but that's not much chop to me, is it? Okay. So I buy another flight on the way to the airport because I'm just like, this is a game time decision. There was only one other flight at 9am. I thought every bloke from my flight is going to be trying to get on it. I got to just buy a ticket and cop this and we'll deal with it later. Okay. So I get to the airport, I'm 240 sheets down out the gate, not to mention the train from the city to the airport in Sydney is, I think, upwards of $73, okay? So the tour is in the red, out the gate. Out the gate, we're in the red. Anyway, I go up to the Jetstar desk at the airport, and I say very calmly and politely, because it's 6.30 in the morning, I don't have the energy to give someone a rocket. I go, hi, my Jetstar flight was cancelled. Okay, I've already booked another flight with another airline. No stress there. I know there was no Jetstar flights available. What is the policy with refunds? Do you get a credit? How does it work? And this chick, you know when you fucking talk to someone and it's like, oh no, I'm like the seventh person in the last 10 minutes to talk to this particular woman. She gave me the, the energy of a thousand suns. Like she was ready to go. I was not. She just goes, look. And like just the energy of that one syllable, I was like, dear God, I've, I've picked off more than I can chew here. She goes, look, the flight was canceled due to weather. How can I control the weather? She goes, we're all in the same boat here. So you're just going to have to deal with it. Okay. 
you think you're the only person affected by this? And I was like, okay, all right, Jesus Christ. She goes, there will, there's no refunds. It's non-refundable. We cannot control the weather. I go, okay, that's fine. That's fine. You know, I haven't even got a coffee yet. I can't deal with you, babe. You know, is it your fault that the weather has canceled the flight? No. Is it your fault that you work for Jetstar in a customer service position? Yes. Okay. Yes, it is. No one had a gun to your head. This is actually your role. So apologies. Something about the huge Jetstar logo, Jetstar logo, I should say, um, you know, on your name badge, on your Jetstar uniform. Something about that whole getup gave me subtle hints that you might be able to help me with my Jetstar cancellation. I am truly sorry for bothering you. Okay. And I love that she used, she goes, everyone's in the same boat. Everyone's in the same boat. This mythical boat. You know, everyone is in the same boat. It's like, yeah, babe, I know. The boat is we're all getting ripped off. Okay. Airlines seem to have this thing that if you rip off three people, oh no, let's help you out. But if you rip off 200, that's just fucking a Tuesday, isn't it? You know, and this would never have happened with my fucking faithful Tiger Air. But anyway, I don't want to kick off too much there. We get on the flight, you beauty, bada bing, bada boom, Rex Airlines, they've roared into the budget game post-COVID, Rex Airlines, I highly recommend. Anyway, next to me is a mother, she's got the aisle, I'm in the middle, okay, then across the aisle is this mother's three children, aged seven, eight and nine, they are going absolutely nuts on their iPads. And this woman looks like she's at the end of her tether, okay? Anyway, as soon as our wheels take off, the bloke in front of this mother full recline and starts watching Superwog on his iPhone, the YouTube sketch series, okay? Now, it is a 9 a.m. flight, 9 a.m., and the flight goes for an hour and 10 minutes to Brisbane. Full recline into watching Superwog, okay? Now... Who am I to tell a man how to enjoy his time? I would imagine that watching Superwog, the experience would be enhanced if your body was at a 45-degree angle, okay? And I've got nothing against the Superwog boys at all. In fact, I know them and they're absolute legends. What pissed me off about this guy was that when the coffees come around, he took one sip. He's still in full recline. Then the air hostess comes back along with the doing the rubbish run, and he goes, yeah, yeah, I'm done with this. And it was still full to the brim. I don't know if he thought he was going to get like a cafe style flat white on this Rex Airlines flight to Brisbane, but he hands back a full piping hot coffee. And the air hostess only has a plastic bag. She's like, oh, you don't want it? And he's like, no, I didn't like it. Take it away. Okay. So when he's, rec when he's reclined in this mum's face, that's, I've not enjoyed that. But I understand that there are people in this world who don't think of others. The sending back a full-blown hot coffee, giving it to an air hostess, who's got like 45 things to do. It's like, this is, this is crazy, dude. This is absolutely crazy. And it's like, you're not at a real cafe. Do you understand that? She's like, what am I supposed to do with this cup of boiling water? You absolute criminal. So anyway. Then I land, I get a text from the, the venue owner in Brisbane, call me ASAP. I'm thinking, holy fuck, dude, this tour continues to get off to the worst start possible. He says, mate, the Socceroos are playing New Zealand tonight. The town is going to be a buzz. The pub I was playing was across the road from Suncorp Stadium. 
He said they've double booked a Socceroo supporter function. We're going to have to push your show back from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. I said, fucking hell. All right. Well, nothing can be done. I mean, really, what is the go in Brisbane where people are going absolutely this nuts for Australia versus New Zealand in soccer in a friendly match, you know? Didn't see uh, too much hype when they were playing Uzbekistan at 2 a.m., just quietly, you know? Plus, Australia versus New Zealand in soccer. I mean, this is... And an exhibition at that. I mean, what is this? 120 plays, 119? Hardly two heavyweights of the game, you know? If anyone's into cricket, I've actually got tickets for Germany versus Canada next week. So, you know, let me know if anyone in Brisbane is ravenous. Appears to be the absolute sporting capital of the world, the way people were going nuts for this friendly. So, anyway, whatever... The show was super fun. Had my mate Alex Malinkovic open and uh, great times. I had a bit of crowd work that went south. I uh, was chatting to this brother and sister in the front row. And they, I said, holy shit, we've got the whole family here. I said, where's mum and dad? I said, the whole family are Billy D fans, you know, how good's this? And the guy said, oh, touchy subject with the parents. And I said, oh, they're divorced. And he goes, no, they're dead. Okay, now this is... This is uncomfortable in the room. But still, there is a game time decision to be made here. Okay, at the end of the day, I'm a slave to the art. I'm a slave to the comedy. And uh, I'm a slave to the people in this room. You know, these great punters who've come out to see Billy Darcy. They expect laughter. And whether this bloke's parents are dead or not, I'm here to deliver it. Okay, so I made a game time decision that, you know, could be found to be in poor taste, depending on who you are and your previous experience with... uh, with dead parents, but I said, Jesus, they're dead, right? And it was pretty awkward in the room, as you can imagine. And I said, right, well, I guess I'm digging a bit of a hole here. And then I said, oh, well, I guess your parents are already in it. (laughs) Which is probably maybe the harshest thing I've ever said on stage, okay? But at the same time, fuck, something had to be done, you know what I mean? It's all about the art form, getting a few zingers, zingers out the gate. And, uh, you know, I could, have easy, I could have easily moved on like a gentleman or we could fucking do a bit of comedy. You know what I mean? And that's, that's the decision I made, be it right or wrong. It was a split second game time moment. And, uh, you know, put my boot through it. Can't, can, you know, what can I say? And uh, we ended up having a bit of a laugh. Uh, I said, oh, well, you know, at least have they died long enough where... We can have a laugh about it. He said, they died late last year. I said, oh boy, it it gets worse. And we sort of spiraled in that moment for about two or three minutes as a group collective. It was pretty touch and go, but I'd like to thank uh, the two, the brother and sister combo in the front row for being extremely uh, good sports about it, you know? Usually I like to thank people if maybe I've ripped on their job and I'm like, accountants are nerds. And I'll say, nah, I'm just joking around, mate, but... But this time I was joking around about their dead parents and they were absolutely legends about it. Obviously, no malice in the jokes. Had a beer with them after the whole deal. But uh, yeah, cracking show, great times. Went out with a lot of people from the show afterwards. One bloke gave me edibles, thanking you, thanking everyone for the free beers. And uh, yeah, just a cracking time in Brisbane. Massively enjoyed it. I fucking love Brisbane. Made my debut at Notorious Pub, The Caxton which was going off with thousands of Socceroo supporters. And uh, basically, yeah, was out till was out till God knows what. 
and then pretty much locked myself in for a four-day bender because, you know, you've come out the gate on the Thursday. Uh, then you've got, you know, Friday, Saturday write-offs due to the, you know, the time of the week. And then Sunday, all my friends were coming to my show in Brisbane. So, you know, hands were tied and that was that. And we sort of went off into a, what can only be described as a full-blown bender from there. Anyway, so up next, we had the homecoming tour, which kicked off over the weekend. We did Gold Coast and Brisbane. Now, Brisbane, I'll get to in a second. The Gold Coast was eventful, to say the least. So here we go. Basically, we had the space till about, no, we had the space till 8.30. They said the room has to be clear by 8.30, which means we have it till 8.30, okay? Now, you think, why does he keep saying 8.30? The time 8.30 is a pivotal moment in this story. So basically, we sold about 35 tickets for this show, pretty poorly attended, and only about 20 people turned up. I don't know if everyone got too blind with the AFL or what, and this issue was compounded by the fact that we were booked to do this show at the clubbiest nightclub on the Gold Coast, middle of Surfers Paradise. It was fucking massive. Total booking error playing this nightclub. But anyway... That's all by the by. We, so we started the show late, waiting for people to turn up. The show itself, up until 8.32, was phenomenal. I got no qualms with the show. The, the, the people that were there loved it. They were really friendly. It's great. At 8.32, the venue manager, uh, Alex is closing the show. And he says at 8.30, he says, all right, we've got to get out of here. I'll just leave you on this. At 8.32 p.m., keep in mind, we have the space till 8.30 this is 8.32 p.m. The venue manager storms the stage and goes to take the microphone off Alex. Um, and he's like, you had the space till 8.30. Everyone get out. Alex gets out his phone. He's like, it's 8.32. We're just finishing. I'm so sorry. And then she's like, no, it's too late. Get the fuck out. And she's going nuts, like proper bogan Gold Coast woman, uh, middle-aged, like just a real bulldog of a human. And... uh And then Alex, you know, to his credit, to his detriment, he goes, all right, well, you are the rudest lady I've ever come across. And then he turns to the crowd, he goes, fuck this place, let's burn it to the ground. (laughs) It's the funniest thing I've ever seen. And then he's like, like, yeah, fuck this place, we're never coming back here. I was in on it because I fucking hated the venue, dude. Like, scummiest nightclub ever. We never should have played there. And uh, anyway, then us and the crowd all get chased out by the staff. They're like, everyone out. They're borderline like hitting a fucking pan with a wooden spoon trying to chase us out. So we all fucking sprint out of the venue. And the worst part was, so we get up, we get out the front and I'm thinking, look, you know, as much as I hate that woman and she was an absolute cow, we did technically go over our time. Even though we only went over by two minutes, which really, in the scheme of things, is the most ridiculous margin ever. And here's the thing. Alex was just wrapping up. If she just let the show go for another 30 seconds, the show itself was actually really good. You know, all the comedy went great. But then just this last hurdle. Anyway, we get out the front. There is three people standing in the line outside. Three people. So we got chased out for three people who were definitely going to get a stamp, pop their head in and immediately leave. No one wants to be one of three people in a Gold Coast nightclub at 8.30 p.m. on a Saturday night. So, absolutely ridiculous. We were fucking kicked out of there for three people. Anyway, so that was fucking weird. And 
that did fuel some of the hatred for Surfers Paradise uh, you saw earlier. But basically, every time I've been to Surfers Paradise, it's just a fucking war zone there, you know? So that was wild. Then on the Sunday, the homecoming tour, we did the Brisbane show. Brisbane was packed, really cool venue. Uh, it was like a rock club, and that show was just fantastic. No, no stories there because nothing went wrong. So that was a great show. Thanks to everyone who came to that. Heaps of my friends did in Brisbane, which was really nice of them. And, and yeah, we went to Rick's after. Rick's in the Valley, my favorite fucking pub in Brisbane. And you know, there's some people in Brisbane, when you tell them you like Rick's, they will turn their nose up at you. And to those people, I say, what's wrong with it? Okay. Yeah, it's not bloody marble tiles. It's a beer garden with a clothesline, astroturf, cheap drinks, chicks with fringes. I personally, you know, rename it heaven. I, I, I love Rick's, okay? And I was there on the Sunday with my mates, Maddie, Caitlin, etc. And anyway, we're there. Sunday session vibes. We're just having beers. Dude, I don't know if like the DJ, I don't know if there was a booking error on the Friday and they moved the DJ to Sunday, but the DJ was playing like a stereosonic set in this beer garden on Sunday night, like just sandstorm on repeat. I've never seen a DJ like just, I guess not misread the room, but like it's like a beer garden with a dance floor and a clothesline. It's massive. But yeah, so it was like the most like, uh, it was like pretty untenable to get on this dance floor unless you were like on drugs. I would say unless you were, had stimulants in your system, you shouldn't go anywhere near this thing, okay? And we, we eventually did, you know, with no performance enhancers under our belt. Pretty good from us. I was pretty hammered and or high, so I was happy to get in the mix. And then, you know, this is why you've got to be very careful with these dance floors. You know, it starts out, you're doing the Irish two-step, you're tapping a toe, and then next thing you know, we, we went upstairs, we're on the dance floor till 3am, got home at 4am, up at fucking 6.45 for my flight. I was an absolute shell of a man. Rick's is undefeated, without a doubt, the best pub in Brisbane. Don't DM me, dude. I don't want to hear otherwise, okay? I don't want to hear otherwise. So cracking weekend and uh, and yeah. Love, love, love Brisbane. Surface Paradise should be burned to the ground, starting with the Arcade Nightclub. Oh, also, I had the funniest experience at a Rick's. I forgot. This bloke comes up to me and he goes, he goes, Billy, mate, I am your biggest fan. I love your TikToks. I watch every single TikTok you put up. And I'm like, mate, that's awesome. Appreciate that, you bloody legend. We chat for a couple minutes. He goes, you don't understand, mate. You don't understand. I love you, mate. Every single thing you upload is just gold. He goes, mate, if you look at all my liked videos on TikTok, it'd just be nothing but you, mate. Just be nothing but your videos. I go, mate, no doubt. I appreciate it. I appreciate that, brother. And he goes, you don't believe me. He goes, all right, I'm getting it up. I'm getting it up. I go, okay, get it up. Anyway, this guy goes on to his liked videos on TikTok. And it comes up with every video he's liked. Dude, he's scrolling for about two minutes. And there's not a single one of my videos there. This is like the weirdest mugging I've ever received. He, and then he, I go, mate, you've clearly never seen it. One of my videos, mate, you're an imposter. And he goes, no, nah, no, nah, I swear. He goes, and he's like, well, fucking hell, you don't upload much, do you, mate? You don't post often enough. 
don't blame me because you're not posting enough. And now we're in like this argument and I'm like, what the hell's going on? And then he gets to the point where he's been scrolling for like five minutes straight on this thing. And uh, I'm just like, all right, well, I just go back to talking to my friends. And then like five minutes later, he taps me on the shoulder. He couldn't find a single liked video. He was just on my TikTok profile and it said following. He's like, see, I follow you, mate. I'm your biggest fan, I swear. I go, mate, there's... Well, that's it. That proves it. You know, <laughs> it was the weirdest thing. This guy insisted he was my biggest fan, even though I don't think he'd ever, I don't know if he got me mixed up with Will Gibb or what, but uh, <laughs> it was bloody bizarre. And uh, so, yeah, that was, that was weird. Anyway, like to crack into a couple of topics, if I may. Firstly, I got to talk about this Adam Levine thing. This is hilarious, dude. And uh, for context, I love Adam Levine. I was going to say Avril Levine, but uh, who I also love. But Adam Levine, you know, I was fucking alive in 2004, dude. Okay, I got no problems with Adam Levine. You know, she will be loved. This love, the other songs that they're also popular for, it's all good stuff, dude. It's all good stuff. But so Adam Levine has been done. These screenshots have come out of him hitting up these outrageously attractive models on Instagram uh, with some bizarre, bizarre banter, like old man flirting. He's like, he's like, oh gosh, golly, miss, that body of yours is absurd. You know, he's like, he's he's messaging them like a 12-year-old. He's like, holy fucking shit, you're hot. Bonkers. And like, <laughs> which is so funny because he's got like a legitimate, he's got tattoos all over his body. Just goes to show, no matter how many tattoos you have, if you're 48, dude, you are 48. So uh, so it, he's come out and said that he never actually cheated on his wife. They were just DMs. One of these hot chicks said they rooted for a year. It's all a bit by the by, you know, how will we ever know? Um, you know, he's come out, like, like any man who's been caught cheating, he was having a tough time with his mental health during the whole incident. Vintage from Adam Levine, you know, good from him. Come out strong early. Uh, with the mental health line. And, you know, I can imagine he was just drunk on Instagram, just texting wild, just thinking, yeah, dude, I'm Adam Levine, fucking oath. These chicks are loving it. And it's it's bizarre. It's bizarre. <laughs> just goes to show, firstly, you get dragged no, no matter what. You're going to get dragged in for a penny, in for a pound. Timmy Payne was full R-rated, you know, the whole... The whole kit and caboodle. I mean, Adam Levine, these are the most G-rated texts I've ever sent. And you're still getting dragged. If I'm Adam, Adam Levine, I bet he's thinking, fuck, I, I should have just had sex with these women. The, uh, like, then I don't know how the press could be more negative if he had had sex with them. How could this situation be going worse for Adam Levine? He may as well have had sex with them. If anything, it's, it was reckless that he didn't. <laughs> you know, as soon as the memes started coming out, I reckon he was like, fuck, I, I should have got at least a blowjob for this amount of grief, you know? That is if, if, if what he says is true and he didn't actually have sex with them, which I think we probably all know is a lie. But dude, I would love to be in like Adam Levine's kitchen when the memes first started coming out, you know? Here's the thing, when you're a celebrity, when you fuck up, you just want to hope there's enough in the news that you don't become a meme. You know, like the Will Smith thing. It became a meme. As soon as it becomes a meme, there are people like there are people who have no idea who Adam Levine is. They've never listened to Maroon 5. 
They have no opinion on him. They didn't even know he existed until this thing. And now the only thing they know about him is that he cheated on his wife. You know? That's that's it. Like that's once it goes meme, you're fucked. You're in the mainstream culture. Blokes are laughing at you in Pakistan, mate. Okay? You know? <laughs> oh god, it's so good, dude. It's so good. And like that body of yours is absolutely absurd. He's coming at these birds like with professor energy. <laughs> but once you get memed, like Jay-Z cheated on Beyonce. You'd think that'd be such a moment in, in culture, but there was no meme that went along with it. So play on. She's probably cheating on her right now, living La Vida Loca. Once you get memed, it's all over, dude. I reckon there's like one out of 10 women out there who would honestly turn down Adam Levine now. He can never DM a bird again. You know, it's just going to be, he's going to be laughed out of the building. Whether he had sex with the women or not, it's on the record that he told one of them that he was thinking about naming his daughter after her. And here's the thing, dude. (laughs) Oh my God. That is such simp behavior. Okay. Firstly, if he's had, if he's had an affair with this woman, and he wants to marry, he wants to name his new daughter that he's having with his married wife after the woman he's had an affair with. That's that's pretty twisted. Okay, that's evil can evil stuff. Adam Levine, you know, he's he's in he must be in cahoots with the Illuminati to be pulling shit off like this. Because this is cold-blooded brother, okay? That's one thing. If he wants to name his daughter, his yet-to-be-born daughter, after a woman he's just been simping over on Instagram and never even fucking hooked up with. Dude, you're such a beta male cuck, you know? That is unbelievable. Just get... Your next tattoo should just be submissive, tattooed in Latin across your forehead, you simp nerd, you know? Naming your your yet-to-be-born daughter after an Instagram model you've had a crush on. It's like, dude, what is doing... If, if blokes with... If every bloke had the the lack of self-respect to pull something like that, do you have any idea how many fucking Kendalls would be running around this world right now, okay? Everyone's got a crush on a couple of Instagram birds, mate. You keep it to yourself like a goddamn gentleman, let alone name your daughter after her, you know? Imagine you name your daughter Kendall after Kendall Jenner. Your daughter's like 15 years old and you're like, what the hell was I thinking? Also, the thing with Adam Levine is, mate, you've blown the brand because, you know, the whole thing is, you know, girls like you, girls like you, mate. It was all about treating women with, with the utmost respect, you know. You were for the cause, brother. He had trans women running around the music video, kissing them on the, on the bloody hand, you know, kneeling down. She will be loved, you know, the whole deal. Well, it turns out this bloke is fucking, he's, he's more of a fucking Limp biscuit lead singer than we thought. We got Fred Durst in the building. Blowing these chicks' inboxes up, okay? So Adam Levine has had an absolute shocker. And uh, (laughs) if he didn't have sex with these women, I think it's fucking even funnier. It's even funnier if he didn't have sex with them for how hard he's been dragged for it, you know? So I hope for his sake he actually did get a few away because the grief that he's copping right now, I mean, if this was for just DMs, you'd be filthy. You'd be absolutely filthy. So next topic I'd like to briefly talk about is the Geelong football team dressed up as old men for their Mad Monday. And 
you know, after slaughtering the Sydney Swans, first game of AFL I've ever watched, and uh, it was diabolical as a Sydney man. But apparently there was something in the press all season that Geelong was too old to win a premiership. So they've come out dressed as pensioners for their Mad Monday celebrations. And apparently there's some elderly people in the community that are upset about this. Okay, apparently they've been belittled. They've been, uh, you know, discriminated against. And they don't feel like there's a place for them as fans in the AFL or fans of Geelong, you know, with this cruel, cruel stunt to dress up as old people. I saw like the head of the Pensioners Association for Australia made a quote. Whenever stuff like this happens, you find it the head of an organization you never knew existed will always come out. It's like someone someone does something to a cat. The head of the New South Wales Cat Lovers Association will address the media. And it's like, how do these press conferences even get set up? And to any old person who has, a, who has an issue with the Geelong football team jokingly dressing up as older gentlemen in a lighthearted swipe at the media... I would say I would say to those old people please hurry up and die. And that's all I have to say on that. Next topic. Okay, now this next topic is the weekly winch for this week and it is a cricket centric one, so I apologize to any listeners who aren't across this, but basically England versus India in women's cricket last week. England were 9 wickets down, they had 1 wicket left, they needed 20 runs to win. So the game is more or less in the balance. They might have needed more runs than that. But the game's more or less in the balance with one wicket to go. It sounded like quite a big crowd at the stadium. And uh, it's all happening. You know, women's cricket, much like women's football. I mean, women's cricket honestly cannot hold a candle to women's soccer. It's not even close. But, you know, women's sport is arriving across the board. And, you know, we got a great game on here. What happened was the Indian bowler ran in and man-catted the English batsman, which is where you run them out before the ball is even delivered. And and just, that was it. That was the end of the game, okay? Now, I'm going to try not to get too ranty about this, but I have very strong opinions about this. If you man-cad someone in a, in a game of cricket, you are less than and you do not root often, okay? It is the lamest stupidest rule in cricket and they just like ratified it a couple weeks ago saying that mad cat man cats are completely legal it is without a doubt the dumbest thing in cricket and anyone who does it is a bad person i wholeheartedly believe that okay and people say oh it's not technically illegal you know it's not technically illegal it's like well neither's rooting your mate's ex you know neither's messaging your mate's ex but you still don't bloody go near your mate's ex do you okay Good luck explaining that to your mate when you've just bloody kissed his ex on the lips at the local pub and say, oh, mate, you know, you, you haven't gone out together for three months. You know, what's technically wrong with that? You said you had moved on, mate. It's like, yeah, it's all technically above board, isn't it, mate? Why does he then want to punch you in the face? Because we know that morally what you've done is wrong, okay? Now, the reason people get man-catted is when the batsman at the non-striker's end is backing up too far. And I watched this video painstakingly because I, I was so angry. I wanted to make sure what I was getting into. The backing up from the non-striker seemed extremely reasonable to me. And the reason the man cut exists is so people don't just start running down the wicket when they need like three runs to win. 
getting a huge head start uh, from the non-striker's end, okay? That is not what the English batsman was doing. Allegedly, the Indian bowler warned her before she came in. The English players came out and said that wasn't the case at all. And I, I totally believe that because the look on this Indian chick's face after she did it, she fucking knew she had done the wrong thing, but she was looking pretty fucking smug about it, okay? And, the, you know, the ball for me is live when it leaves the bowler's hand, okay? That's when cricket begins. The ball is dead in the bowler's hand, I think. They need to change the rule. Um, it is the stupidest rule. What this Indian chick did was just ruin the afternoon for the fans, you know, in women's cricket isn't exactly the most lucrative, popular thing in the world. There's this great game unfolding, and it was completely destroyed by this act of crap sportsmanship. And 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 do you know what? I don't care if it's technically legal. I don't care if I'm technically wrong. I don't care if, you know, the rules say it clearly. She was in the right. I hate this. I hate it. It makes me feel bad. It ruined the game. And uh, I'm not saying batsmen should be allowed to back up like crazy, but they should put it in the power of the umpire, okay? You should get one warning, and after that, five-run penalty. Maybe, let's do a 10-run penalty, okay? Because if teams have like five runs to win and they're backing up like crazy, they're not going to risk a 10-run penalty, are they? But give the power to the umpire, or give the power to the bowler to to run in and, and say, umpire, I want an official warning or something. Because if the umpire stops and the batsman's halfway down the wicket at the non-striker's end, then yeah, let's see a penalty for that batsman. But dismissing them when they're nine down is just not the way to do it. The game was ruined. Everyone left with a poor taste in their mouth. Um, the, the fans were the ones that lost out. And uh, it just ruined everything. So, I don't know. You know, people who mancad people in cricket are also the sort of people who CC their boss on emails. You know, it's just, it's it's crap. It's not good for everyone. Needs to be eradicated. So get rid of the man cad in cricket. That's what I think and feel about that. Okay? Now, last thing. Last thing. So that was the weekly whinge. This week, we've got the project. The project is the segment where we celebrate Australian talent here and abroad, absolutely killing it. Now, this is someone who I purposely haven't spoken about before because, I mean, you could honestly just do a project every week talking about this woman, okay? Obviously, I'm talking about Australian football captain Samantha Kerr, the GOAT herself. Now, the reason we're talking about Samantha Kerr on the project this particular week is because she is on the cover of FIFA 23, which is like the sickest thing ever. Firstly, to have an Aussie on there is one thing. To have an Aussie woman on there is fucking wild. And that just shows how good Sam Kerr is, okay? And Sam Kerr, she's not on there by accident. I've got it on my phone. Um, give me one second. I literally screenshotted it because there was too many to write down. Uh, these... Uh, I, you know what? I should have got it up before the pod. Should have got it up before the pod. I'm scrolling through photos from fucking 2018 here, but here we go. So this is everything that Sam Kerr won in 2022. She got a medal of the Order of Australia. She won the AFC Women's Asian Cup Golden Boot, the London Football Awards FA Women's Super League Player of the Year, 
the Football Writers Association Player of the Year, the Women's Super League Player of the Season, the Women's Super League Goal of the Season, the PFA, PFA Players Player of the Year, the PFA WSL Fans Player of the Year, Chelsea Women's Player of the Year, the Athletic WSL Player of the Year, the Athletic WSL Team of the Year, the Give Me Sport W Fans Player of the Year, and then she also got the Key to the City of Perth. <laughs> and I'll add on this, she also has the hottest misses I've ever fucking seen. Okay? What the fuck have you guys got up to in 2022? What have you done? What have I done? You know? What this is 2022 is still fucking going, lads. You know what I mean? This is crazy, dude. Like, what can't this chick do? You know? I swear to God, I saw her walking down the street the other day. She fucking high-fived a blind kid. He could see all of a sudden. You know what I mean? Like, she could probably do a reverse Elise Perry and transition into cricket. But she'd play for the men's team. I wouldn't be surprised if next year, next time the Ashes rolls around, if 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 we're one for none, first over of the day, I wouldn't be surprised if Sam Kerr just walks out at first drop. No pads, no helmet, just 200 not out. I mean, this chick is just unbelievable. I don't know what to freaking say for just what she's doing. It's like Lionel Messi, but she's Australian. <laughs> it's fucking awesome. So I'm literally lost for words. I have no, I have no idea what to say, Sam Kerr, except you are the GOAT, and I hope to one day give you a high five in passing. You know, I don't want to bother you, but like if we were in the same room walking past each other, if you just gave me a little oi oi bill, love the pod, I'd be like, likewise, babe, little high five, and then I don't bother you anymore after that. Because I, here's the thing, when I met Toby Maguire in LA, I lasted about f- four minutes. Once I realized it was Toby Maguire, I lasted about four minutes before I freaked out. If I see Sam Kerr, I reckon I've got upwards of four seconds, okay, before I'm just melt into a pathetic fanboy. So I just want a quick high five. Oi, oi, great stuff, Sam. Let me get out of your hair. And then run home and call Macca. <laughs> so yeah, Sam Kerr, the project for this week, just unbelievable. Just fucking, what an unbelievable person. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know what to say. So great stuff, Sam Kerr. That is the pod for this week. Outstanding. After this, I should mention as well, we have Sydney comedian Tom Whitcomb joining us this week. I should have mentioned that at the start of the podcast. Tom is a fantastic stand-up comedian. He has a YouTube stand-up special called Tom Whitcomb Ignorant, uh, which you can view for free on YouTube. It's absolutely phenomenal. He's kind of like an Anthony Jeselnik type, does very dark, well-structured jokes. So check that out. Other than that, I'm not touring anymore. It's all gravy. Thanks for listening. Way too long, way too long. Yeah, and I can see the ground now. Way too long, way too long. All right, legends. Welcome back to yet another episode of Get Around Me. What a time it is to be alive. The guest series returns, continues, never left. Who gives a fuck? It's all happening in the studio today. We have Sydney comedian. And more importantly, fellow solo podcaster, <laughs> Tom Whitcomb. How you going, mate? It's a pleasure to be here. I'm very well. How are you? Mate, it's good to be amongst comrades. Yeah, that's true. It's a, it's a lonely journey out there for those of us <laughs> who arguably don't deserve podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, people always talk about, you know, the different podcasts out there, but they never talk about 
the different podcasts as far as two people podcast, three people podcast versus the solo man out here swinging from the hip. The only true podcast, really. The rest are just TV shows with no visuals. 100%. You know, oh, it, anyone can run their thoughts by someone else, you know. <laughs> anyone can have their opinions put up against the mirror of another person's perspective. It takes a real man to give his opinions as statements into the void. That's it. Yeah, without yeah, yeah. anyone having the opportunity to say, hey, I disagree. Hey, I feel differently about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think Hamish and Andy widely overrated. Let's see <laughs> Hamish or Andy. Let's see how they handle an entire radio show to themselves. 100%. I mean, then the studio would probably look a lot more like your room that we're currently in. Which I'm gonna say it looks far more impressive on YouTube. It's amazing what a tight angle can do. Well, mate, it's all about framing and it's <laughs> it's all about perspective, uh, not just from a digital standpoint, but also mentally, mate. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Have you have you spoken about the books on your bedside table before? Does that come up? Is there a get around me book club that? Uh... I tell you what. So I did. I am trying to read more. And one time I did put out on the podcast that hey guys, I'm trying to read more, but. It's actually fucking hard to just get back into books, mm. you know? So, I said, oh, you know, give me something with wizards and shit in it. What should I be reading? And I got some good suggestions. And then one guy messaged me. He said, mate, fuck reading. You should just watch the James Bond films. They're so much better. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, that might be enough suggestions for the <laughs> listeners. But yeah, so that was the closest thing we had to a Get Around Me book club. But mate, I'm happy to stand by these, uh, these books here. So, we've got um, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Which I will admit I've read three times, but only halfway through. So I just know how to give a fuck. <laughs> I haven't learned the subtle art yet, but I'm currently reading um, a different set. For some reason, that one just never grabbed me, but I will I will get back into that. You've got the subtle art, not giving a fuck. You've got Will Smith's book, which was very unfortunately, or I don't know, maybe very fortunately timed for him. Because I think it's just before he slapped the fuck it was- out of perfect timing from will because mate i think i was even on this podcast saying this is one of the best books i've ever read really i bought it at the airport like just before christmas and i honestly fucking loved it because before this whole slap thing i was a will smith fan yeah i think and he was kind of having a bit of a comeback too he was at the remember like hancock days he was like the world's biggest movie star for a little bit oh massively well mate after you read this book you have you have fucking truly understand how big this bloke was there was a point where he had like this run where it was like in the Hancock era, mm. you know, as any uh, critic of film and TV worth <laughs> yeah. their salt. Siskel and Ebert talked at length uh, about the Hancock the era. The Hancock era, dude. But yeah, there was like Hancock, I Am Legend, you know, uh, Pursuit of Happiness, Seven Pounds, all this era. Mm. There was, uh, and what were the other big ones? Oh, the Men in Black, mm-hmm. all three Men in Black smashed. The Wild Wests. Yeah, so there was that period of about eight years where he was like untouchable as the number one box office star on the planet, mm. and it was insane. But uh, but also, I would say this was what I said about the book, and I think it did actually age quite well. And like you said, it was great timing because he put this book out. Every man and his dog like me bought it. I fucking I wouldn't give that kind of sense now <laughs> if I knew what he was going to do. But I said when I finished the book, I said really really interesting but i don't think you would want to have a beer with him yeah because he is he's like a psycho yeah yeah and then you got matthew mcconaughey's green lights which i've listened to on audiobook big fan dude how good was green lights yeah very good 
It yeah. was really good. Yeah, I loved how you, he, you, you didn't you didn't listen to it because you know he he does it. Oh, he does it with he his does voice. It. Oh yeah, yeah, dude, I really enjoyed it. Um, and the thing about Matthew McConaughey I thought was so funny was his big uh sort of hardship in life was when he transitioned from rom-coms to drama. Yeah. He was like, it was the darkest 16 months of my <laughs> life. You know, my wife was a rock. Like, <laughs> he thinks like it was courageous. Of, like, he's turning down rom-coms with like Kate Hudson. Yeah. And he thinks like that's like completing an Iron Man or something. <laughs> I thought it was so arrogant. But apart from that, I love Matthew McConaughey. Because when he did start rocking up in dramas, I think everyone was like, what the f- What? No. What? No. Yeah, and I will say Matthew McConaughey, his rom-com era, they're all like, I don't know if there's one real banger in the mix. Mm. I know? think of- they're, uh, they're all serviceable. That's true. Failure to launch. Wait, is he How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days? That yes. Him? That's probably the big one, right? I would totally agree with that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Then- Kate Hudson smashes that film. Yeah. And then he comes out with Interstellar from a man who before that I would have thought maybe had his doubts about space existing. <laughs> he'd be like they say they've been in the moon I don't believe it I've never seen the moon I'm just a good old Texas boy I like the ground yeah yeah he, yeah I don't I don't I can't really put my finger on Matthew McConaughey and that's why I like him mm. you know like Will Smith is just sort of like after reading his book he's like an overly amb- ambitious psycho mm. Is that yeah. that's his vibe? I didn't really get that. It. That is his vibe. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. But Matthew McConaughey, like, I just don't like. I tell you what I love about Matthew McConaughey, like, he's so into, like, he just does his own thing. He doesn't give a fuck what anyone else is doing. Like when he was driving around in a van for two years, while mm. he was also one of the biggest movie stars on the planet, mm. and he would pick up directors at an airport, and then they drive three hours to the next airport and discuss the film they wanted to make. Mm. And then he dropped them off at the next airport and they'd fly home. Yeah. Shit like this. I'm like, this is hilarious. What about him spending... Where was he living in, in Australia? Like, it was like Tukley or something? Was it was it like Tukli? the Central Coast. Yeah. yeah. I had no idea he was here for like 12 months, whatever. Like, he's got this Australian connection or whatever. Yeah. And it, he had like a terrible time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I like him. And also there's that video of him at uh, Texas Longhorns basketball games. And he's like in a full orange suit. And he like, he's like low-key coaching the team. Yeah. Like after they score, he's like, get up. We stand up when we score. <laughs> you know, one of us scores, we all score. And they're all like, oh, sorry, Mr. McConaughey. Yeah, yeah, he's the face of their local football team. It's like there's in the soccer team in Texas as well. The Austin whatevers in the MLS. Oh, he's the face of it. He's like the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, yeah, he froths on all that stuff. Mm. So I like him for that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And then what else you got? You got the girl with the dragon tattoo. Which yeah, another, been, another one I've... Sorry. Been reading for about 14 years, I'm going to guess. Yeah, I shamefully haven't finished that one either. And then Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life. How many rules do you throw? Uh, the, the first one. Yeah, that's I, good. it's a good one. Sit up straight. That's yeah, the yeah, first yeah. rule. Yeah. Yeah, good posture. Yep. Here's the thing. I've read like the first third of like maybe five self-help books. Yep. So like... I'm a third improved. <laughs> yeah, but you just want to worry. The first third is a diagnosis of what's wrong with you. Yeah, the, the so, first third is like, you're lazy. You're a piece of shit. And I'm just reading going, yep, yep, yep. This guy gets me 100%. And, and then I put it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I come back to it. And I think three months later, I think, well, I forgot. I forgot the lessons in the first couple of chapters. And then I'm reading again. And it just says, you're lazy. You're a piece of shit. 
Yeah. And then that's sort of the rotation I'm on. Yeah. And I might go and read about the making of Welcome to Miami one more time by Will Smith. <laughs> yeah. Instead of uh, getting any further with this. It does look like you shop exclusively at domestic airports. Well, yeah. I bought all of these things at domestic <laughs> airports. <laughs> Well, um, Love that. Because I pretty much only, like, I've never shopped at a book that's not an airport. Mm, and mm. then right on top, you, you went past it, but I've got the Australian Cricket Collection. On DVD? Yeah. Cricket in the 70s, Cricket in the 80s, and um, Cricket in the 60s. Okay. So. Yeah, right. I'm pretty fucking on brand. Yeah, that is on brand. <laughs> also, uh, well, COVID mask, COVID test, not a condom to be seen. So, just one kind of protection. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I'm more than willing to have multiple children. I will not have multiple strains of COVID. Okay. But the the COVID tests, I've got millions of those because my mum is a teacher's aide. Oh, And oh so, when, when it was still cool to get COVID tests and like they were hard to get, my mum was getting like heaps of them for free at school. And so, every time I went over for dinner, she would just give me like 25 COVID tests. And you were just slinging them on the street for yeah. mad profit. But then I swear, like three days later, everyone was like, COVID? Lol. I, I had a moment the other day, like, hey, remember, it's still, it's, is it a thing anymore? I think we've all just kind of moved on at this stage. Well, I just flew to the Sunshine Coast last week and that I was on the last day of planes where you had to wear a mask. Mm. So, Game that's over. that. We're on. We're moving on. That is that. Okay. <laughs> So I think we're definitely done. Yeah. And there's no more masks on buses and trains anymore. Yeah, that's been a while though, right? Or have just no one been paying attention? No one's ages? been. Yeah, you're okay. officially, you've had to wear them the whole year. Mm. But yeah. Anyway. So anyway, mate, good. Well, good to have you on the pod. But I want to ask, so to go into the weeds of doing solo podcast, how, do, cause how many episodes have you done now? This will be episode 204. Okay. And how is it just sec? Because I'm still, I'm only like 30 episodes in. And every time I sit down to record, I'm like, what the fuck am I going to talk about? And every time I'm done recording, I'm like, what the fuck was that? Yep. Okay. You're right to feel that way. (laughs) I would argue that any man that talks into a microphone solo for a period of half an hour or more and isn't filled to the brim with existential dread afterwards, you'd be a serial killer. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. Also... Because you're doing it by yourself, you have to be, I don't know, like, dude, before episode 100, I would fucking lose it over the pod because when it's a solo pod, I'm, I still remember episode 76, it's still up. I've never listened to it again, but I remember when I finished that episode, I was like, I'm fucking quitting this pod. I fucking <laughs> hate it. This sucks. Like, what is like, because there's no one, if, you and me are doing this pod. We're mm. having fun right now. Mm. So, this is great. Whether this pod people enjoy it or not, we've had fun doing it. Sure. So, that has inherent value. Yep. But when you're doing it by yourself, if the pod sucks and as you're doing it, you're like stressed out going like, is this even any good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole thing just becomes miserable. Yeah, you get midway through a round, you're like, what the fuck am I even talking about right now? Oh, yeah. Or the worst, I don't know, you probably don't fall into this. I reckon this is a rookie mistake of like, I start getting self-deprecating and then it just keeps going. I'm like, this is just fucking pathetic. I'm just a man on a podcast talking about how bad this podcast is. It's just oh uh, yeah, I think gotta... I, that's as we call in the industry spiraling. <laughs> spiraling, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, some people are fiends for spiraling, aren't they? Like on stage, yeah. People... Spiraling's fun, like once, twice, and then like the third beat, it's mm. not. Mm. But yeah, I'll have like little digs at myself, and uh, yeah, I don't know. To be honest, I think if you if you if you were putting out a solo podcast every week, just going like 
fucking hell everything i've said is, was just so good yeah yeah, yeah. unbelievable stuff yeah. i think that's basically at that point you sign a contract with 2gb <laughs> and you, you're doing am radio at that point yeah, you know? yeah yeah so yeah i think for sure i get self-conscious about it and 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 yeah there's stuff i bet you get this like as i'm doing a, a segment or whatever whatever topic i'm talking about i'll be halfway through talking about something just going I'm cutting this whole thing. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> There's no fucking way this makes it. I usually, because I hate editing, I end up just like starting fresh. I'm just like, we're wiping, we're going again. And oh, you re-record? Me. Yeah, a lot of the time. So, I've done one re-record in the whole 200 episodes. Is that all? Yeah. And it was it was only because I took shitload of caps the weekend before. <laughs> and like, it was like my neurons weren't connecting. Mm. I was like, that was awful. But I, I, I also hate editing. I won't like edit like sentences or whatever but like if i talked about the queen for eight minutes and mm. i just i listen back i just go like ugh, this sucks like what were you trying to say you're not you know, you're not even being funny i'll just take out like the whole eight minutes yeah okay it's not because i record until i see a three something on the roadcaster i'm like all right that's 30 something minutes that's my contract fulfilled i have no option to cut anything because then i'll have less than time less than the amount of time i've promised so I'm like, I'm sorry, you get 38 minutes, including 14 minutes of filler. Yeah, 100%. But anyway, um, so the reason I asked you on the podcast, Tom, is because you're putting out this bloody YouTube special. I am, indeed. So take me through it, mate. What's the goss? So Sydney Comedy Festival this year, I uh, did a show called Ignorant. I got it recorded. I uh, got a, a friend of mine who's a videographer to come in, three cams. and uh, Short for camera. There you go. <laughs> sorry, I forgot this isn't an industry podcast. Yeah, three on, cameras. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's coming out on YouTube, you know, alongside Brendan Schaub and Brian Callen, the, the monsters of stand-up comedy. Oh, yeah. I'm waiting for Netflix to get back to me. And if they do, it'll come down off YouTube. But until then... Did you approach anyone with it? No, not at all. Yeah. I mean, why would you? Because you haven't put stuff out in its entirety, right? You, you've clipped up. Because we, we used the same videographer for... Um, we did. Yeah, 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 yeah Tori. Yeah. Yep. Shout out to Tori. Yep. Um, no, I've never put out anything that's like longer than five minutes. Just because I haven't really felt the need previously um but yeah i don't know i'm not opposed to it it's Mm. just not i've never really had a whole show where i felt that it needed to be put out as one thing yeah that's fair did uh did tori have her girlfriend help out at your yes yes so tori has a, a transgender girlfriend and when i met rachel i was like frantically scanning my entire hour show i was like i don't think i have trans jokes do i do i have anything you didn't get. Oh, you didn't have the same crisis of conscience. I'm I, to be honest. I'm thinking back. I didn't even realize she was trans. But <laughs> I guess I just don't see those things. Yeah, the way that you see them, man. I guess I just see. I don't know woman. what. I don't know what that says about me. Is that <laughs> good or bad? Yeah, I don't think I even knew she was trans, or potentially I met a different friend. Possibly that might have been it. Yeah, but it def- definitely didn't cross. I think I had too much anxiety. I could have met seven trans people that night. You know, like I would never know. I was freaking out. But I've had a couple of questions here I want to ask you. Go for it. Um, so, like, your comedy is kind of, like, in shorter things. Like, it's, you're not, like, a one-liner guy, mm. but you sort of almost are. You're kind of, like, a three-liner guy. Mm-hmm. Is Did that just... Did it just come out that way? Or, like, is that, some, is that the sort of comedy you liked before you started stand-up? Yeah, when I started, I was, like, pure one-liner. Like, non-sequiturs. Yeah, I think so, yeah. It was just, like, you know, it was a 
pain in the ass. And because you're an accountant before stand up. Oh, it's a line. I'm, a, I'm I work in advertising and market research. Like, oh, okay. I work in an office, and yep. I need like I have a joke where I just needed to get across that I have the most boring job imaginable, and I want to kill myself. Okay. And so accounting just ticked all the boxes. Yep. Uh, and dude, I love ripping on accountants. It's the easiest profession to rip. Like, even accountants know, yeah, we fucking suck. What this do you is... do? You just fucking count stuff, man. Yeah, I know. It's we we all maxed out when we got an abacus when we were about four years old. Yeah, hundred like, percent. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> but it's like, uh, so I so when I was starting up, I was had like five minute, four minute open mic sets, and I had to remember twenty five jokes or whatever the fuck. Oh, you know, like yeah, I had like these huge, and it was just like a memory exercise, which was a pain in the ass. And I'll never forget, I was doing a gig I was, when I was transitioning from doing five minutes to 10 minutes and just like people getting so bored because it's like after six minutes, they're like, where well, right, I would fucking get it. And especially because I was doing the Anthony Jeselnik school of one-liners being like, so I was in this regular situation the other day and then <laughs> someone got raped. Not always, but you know what I mean? Where it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was so no. I was doing something innocuous and then something horrible happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, all right, we get it. All right, we can see where this is going now. And uh, I remember that being a moment where I was like, okay, I've got to find some way to just like keep people invested for longer. So I started like kind of grouping shit together. Yeah. And it's so typical one line it's where it's like you have a whole section like, oh, this is a section about my family, but it's just because you needed victims for your four jokes and one's an uncle, one's an aunt, one's a grandparent. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I think since then I've tried to get more like to have a point of view or a perspective or like have a, a proper premise where it isn't just like set up punchline, like I actually have a perspective on it, but I find it easier. Like I love writing one-liners and I often yeah, end so up- Yeah, so because I don't, I don't do one-liners at all. Mm. Um not deliberately or anything, but I don't know. It just didn't really come out that way for me. But so when I write, I'll just write like, you know, I'll get a, I'll get a premise mm-hmm. and I'll just write for like two or three pages or whatever. Mm. So when you sit down to write one-liners, because here's the thing, I, I imagine this, you know, I would sit down to write one-liners and I would just sit there just going, fucking hell. Yeah. This is impossible. Yeah. You know? You do just kind of stare out the window. Like I sit at a notebook with a blank page and like I just I just kind of write and I think but about are you so you're just thinking about random shit yeah kind of and like just sort of like just ticking things over and writing things down just to like get stuff out and get in the get in the habit of it and then sometimes I'll just kind of fall out of the sky or sometimes every now and then I'll be wandering around and I'll see something and it'll make me think of something else yeah um, I've heard some people talk about like you start with the punchline like you have especially if it's like wordplay sort of stuff like you see an opportunity to to twist the meaning of something. Um, so what would be an example of that? I did this last night. It didn't work. So don't judge me if this sucks. But like this is the first thing that comes to mind, which was because, um, uh, you know, like a lot of one liners are like you obscure a detail. Right. So like you you set up an expectation of what you're alluding to. I've seen this like written out as like the who, what, when, where and why. So like it's the, like the classic pullback and reveal. It was like you obscure where and it's like a hacky thing of like, you know, I saw a, I saw a guy masturbating the other day. The, everyone else on the bus was very uncomfortable. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Yep. Um, you know, I was at a gig the other day, and some guy said, "You're fucking useless," and I was like, "All right, calm down, Dad." It's like yeah. that. I've got a couple of those. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm so fucking. I hate. I've seen that joke so many times. Of like, uh, someone said something horrible to me, and I was like, "Whoa, chill out, Mum." And like, ugh. yeah, but I think as well, like, you're actually kind of in the pocket as far as like where stand-up is at the moment and what you do because everything has to be under a minute and all your stuff is under a minute anyway. Yeah. 
Like, whereas all my stuff comes out in like four minute chunks. So my I uh, my special that I'm is going to be on YouTube. So I think this works really well for me because I can put out like sixty minute clip on YouTube. I can just clip that up into like ten to eleven. I think I'd be like working all this out like eleven YouTube clips of like three to four minutes, and they all kind of make sense in a vacuum. They don't need each other, and then I can clip all of those into reels. I counted how many reels I think I can clip my special into. It's about sixty, and they all make sense. Yep. Uh, because, See, that's great. Yeah. It's pretty handy for now. Yeah. And yeah, the fact you turn over so much material is pretty fucking good. But speaking of reels and TikToks and shit, dude, because um, you and me share this as far as like, I guess, in fact, everyone. Yeah. We're, we're not special. <laughs> we are definitely not special. But um, dude, TikTok commenters are just wild. It's unreal. And- so what's been your experience with um, TikTok? <sighs> I mean... Because it, you get all right. You get the people who feel the need to tell you this isn't funny, which is just like, oh my god, what? Why? Why are you doing this? And there's like the part of me. There's there's always two parts, right? There's the part which is like, can't. There's three hundred people in the clip laughing. I, you can hear like clearly that, s- people thought it was funny. See, that's that's an interesting point. So the reason I don't feel self conscious about putting up stand up clips on TikTok and Instagram is because I was there when they were recorded mm. and I know that people enjoyed them and I know that I liked them. Mm. And, uh, so I don't, I, I don't actually mind when people say, um, you know, this isn't funny or whatever on TikTok and that, because I, f- I feel like th- th- there's laughs in the video. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. When people say they hate my podcast clips, I find it way more hurtful. Yeah, that is hurtful. But (laughs) but also, um, because like, I think it's with doing the solo podcast, um, like like we were saying, there's no one in the room when you're doing the podcast to be like, great job, Bill. That was Mm. so funny. Mm. So then if I put a podcast clip on TikTok and people are like, this fucking sucks. I'm like... Oh God, they're right. <laughs> I had a miserable fucking response, like a miserable comment on one of my. I used to like like you do put the whole podcast up on um, YouTube, up on YouTube in its entirety, and like didn't do any editing, nothing, just kind of threw it up. And like, this is how embarrassing this is. Actually, like, I think I might have taken it down just because how brutal this or how much this comment hurt my feelings. Where what did he just say? He just he just goes uh, he goes. I'm genuinely baffled by this. What is the point of this? Why would you put this out there? Who is this for? And when, and when it has like 32 views in yeah. the view count and you've got like two thumbs down and one thumbs up, I'm like, fuck, he's right. This is- yeah. <laughs> Dude, Um, that's so funny. But uh, the th- like, and w- here's the thing. When, when you're like not famous, mm. you're just like a sitting duck. But like, I think as well, people don't perceive- how like not successful we are oh yeah like i remember one time this guy i did like a q a thing on instagram like uh i was oh, doing like a live no like on the podcast for a bit i would take questions so mm. i'll put up on instagram you know you can do the question form like uh you know give, give me any dating questions or whatever it is mm. i remember this guy um put in for his question he goes he goes, you suck i can't wait for your comedy career to peak and you to lose it all <laughs> And I thought that was funny because I was reading it in my office cubicle at work. (laughs) 
I was working a fucking full-time admin job and this guy's like, I can't wait for you to lose it all. It's like, lose what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lose what, cunt? Like, I had a guy recently uh, comment on one. It was in an ad as well, something I'm paying to put out to the world. Beautiful, and it, and it beautiful. Was, it was going, uh, uh, this is embarrassing. That This is your literal job and you can't make a funny joke. It's like, man, I wish it was my literal job. Yeah, I, I know. Maybe that's why it isn't my literal <laughs> Dude, it's so funny. But my, my biggest thing on TikTok is... um. And also, I do try not to read the comments, but is, you when you, see it. You told me in the lead up to this, like, come with some TikTok comments. I'm like, oh man, I haven't looked at those in so long. I don't know if I want to face that. I know, I know. But um, the, I, I find the funniest one is, and and this is why I like to wear sunglasses and bucket hats and shit on the pod um, and try and maybe dress a bit wacky sometimes is to let people know I'm just joking around. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because but I, I imagine that goes both ways, right? Because there'd be a part of me which is like, look at this cunt in his sunglasses and his bucket hat. He reckons he's top shit. Yeah, I guess so. But I, I mean, I, like the thing is like, all right, if you comment, if you say, this is not funny, mm. I'm in. I'll go <laughs> in on that 100%. Yeah. Because it's all subjective. Mm. I mean, who am I to tell you what you find funny? Mm. You know? But when people will just respond to the video like as if I've just put out an essay on the topic. That is unreal. Like um, I just put out a thing about the, the getting the king, getting a new king in 2022. I'm just bloody joking around. I go, fuck, we got a new king in 2022. Like they should have gone out with the pirates. You know, what is this Lord of the Rings? <laughs> I'm just joking. Okay. I'm getting all these comments. A lot of comments. The number one one is um, pirates are still real. You fucking idiot. <laughs> And it's like, I'm not talking about those fucking Somalian blokes running <laughs> running over Tom Hanks. Like, I'm obviously talking about pirates from like Assassin's Creed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, like, <laughs> don't, don't fact check this 45 second podcast clip. Like, mm. and uh, and then um, one guy, oh fuck, I'll just get this up actually because I, I won't do this great comment justice. Um, like, just people taking the thing seriously like you know what i mean so this guy goes this is on the thing of the the king he goes he goes australia is not militarily ready to leave the commonwealth if we separate from the commonwealth we become a target allies are good but change with the wind according to their agendas <laughs> together we are stronger against those who will do us harm i suggest you do more research on how it works constitutionally and you'll find nothing better exists don't feel shocked, feel lucky. Brackets or start taking lessons in Mandarin. <laughs> I can just picture, you know, those like little keyboards that plug into your phone, him just like slotting it into yeah. that, like a typewriter, like, dear sir or madam. But here's the thing, and this is what I'm saying. He's not saying this is funny, this is not funny, which for me are really the only two options. Mm. He's saying that, that the video was not grounded in enough research regarding constitutional law surrounding the commonwealth Let's and it's like discourse and it's like yeah dude <laughs> it's there isn't there isn't enough research in this 37 second clip of me joking around about the king yeah if you want research listen to my takes on third grade cricket yes. you won't see a foot wrong dude the only thing i talk about on the pod that i actually will like proper put my back up and be like no i stand behind this is my opinions on the australian test team yeah that's the only thing everything else People are like you're. People are like you're wrong, as if I thought I wasn't. Mm. 
Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's funny, like, you're right where they, they hear one thing and people latch onto it, like, this is the place to discuss this. I When the manly jerseys thing came out, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a clip from my pod, which was basically, like, um, I was saying, you know, we should be so proud of the, the manly seagulls because, like, you know, t- of an entire team... 12 players agreed to wear that jersey. That's un- unbelievable. Like, that never would have happened 10 years ago. And I was saying, oh, we should put more causes on jerseys to see what different teams believe in. That is and, hilarious. Uh, I was like, you know, how, how does uh, how does the uh, St. George of the Warrior Dragons feel about the sovereignty of Tibet? What? Yes. And I said, the New Zealand Warriors, are they pro-life or are they pro-choice? <laughs> oh, that's, <laughs> Which that's I was great. very happy with. And then this is the comment I got. Um, There's no such thing as pro-life. Call it anti-choice or fascism. Don't legitimize this horrible movement by calling them a reasonable sounding name. And here's the thing. Are you now the face of pro-life advocacy? <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, why, why are they... Like, what, it's like, why would this be the epicenter for you to die on this hill? And then someone else has come in and said, my relatives who fell, for, fell victim to the iron fist of real fascism would be disgusted. No better than they are for doing the same. One side says, ah, they're fascists. The other side says, ah, they're killing babies. Either way, they relate the other side to genocidal maniacs and your... And it keeps going. Yeah. Just endless. And here's the thing with comedy. If we were being serious... It would be fucking weird. It would be fucked. Yeah. yeah it yeah. would be fucking weird. And uh, the be- do the best by far. I'm sure you've seen this, but Damien Powers. Um, yes. Because he's got these jokes about Damien Powers, like one of the best stand ups in Australia. And he's got these jokes about like what will happen when China invades and mm. this sort of stuff. And keep in mind, he like it, people just disregard the context of stand up comedy. Like, mm. so the podcast clips, all right, whatever. Who, yeah. who gives a fuck? Bash those into next week. This guy is literally recording stand-up comedy in a suit with a microphone. Like, you may as well have a brick wall behind this cunt at this point. <laughs> yeah. On the Facebook account, Damien Powell Comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. And then um, and then people are like, um, he's saying all this stuff like how <laughs> if China invaded, like, capoeira was, in, was uh, invented as a martial art to, like, to push back against like this fucking invasion in Brazil or whatever it was. I'm butchering it, but he goes like, that'll be us. Like we'll, pre- we'll have like, we'll be pretending to like make a barbecue and then we'll just kill some cunt with some tongs or something. It's just the most ridiculous stuff. And all the comments are like, it's weak dogs like you that are the reason we're going to lose to China. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. men and like a lot of women are saying men, when I was uh, in my thirties, men knew how to be men. Oh. You are a like no spine loser. Like, but, And then the other thing that's fucked is when it goes, so, okay. So I had an experience recently. I was advertising for a show I was doing in Newcastle. I think this is where this took place. And, uh, it's a joke about um, women sprinting, which is one of my favorite. And I say women sprinting is better than men sprinting because it's just as exciting, but you get to enjoy it for longer. Yeah. And then people groan and I say, oh, sorry, I, I should have warned you. Some of my jokes contain facts. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. So this woman's come in and like she's like a 50-year-old woman from Newcastle who's just commented, yuck. And I replied, thanks for the feedback, Deb. Uh, facts aren't for everybody. And then the people who are like liking my are then liking my comment. The guy below then comments on mine. Hey Tom, don't worry about Deb. She'll be back next time you make a joke about lesbians. Can I get two tickets to the show? And I'm like, I fucking hate both of you. Yeah. Like yeah. Because yeah. the people who like take you seriously and hate you for it, or the people that take you seriously and love you for it, are both awful people. Dude, that is so well put. The people that take you seriously and love you for it and the people that take you seriously and hate you for it. Here's the thing. 
forget the second half of that sentence. The people who take you seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just stop there. Yeah, 100%. Just fucking stop there. It'd, it'd be the same if, like, the Prime Minister addressed the nation and you were just in hysterics. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. you were under the impression that he was doing some sort of a comedic monologue. Yeah. You know, it'd be like, you've completely misunderstood the context of what he was saying. Yeah. and the, But it's hard, right? Because then it's like, you look at Andrew Tate or whatever, and that's exactly what oh, has caused all yeah, this shit, whereas yeah. it's like, is he joking? Is he being serious? You just you honestly don't and, know. Yeah, that's that's so true. Yeah, he. So I, I, I do find Andrew Tate fucking hilarious at times, but it is that thing where you go, like all of his stuff that he said about women is off the table. It's fucking rank and disgusting. But there is times where you think, dude, and he's talking about you know whatever, like grinding to a, be a billionaire and all this sort of shit or whatever. He's like, I don't watch Star Wars. I'm too busy making money or whatever. And like, there's so much stuff where like when he was on Tom Segura's podcast, mm. you can see him breaking character Yeah, and he's smiling and laughing. And there's, cause there's parts of it where it's like, dude, if this guy is serious, this is fucked up. Mm. But then if this guy is just playing this crazy character and doesn't mean any of it, this is fucking wild. Well, he has the only line of his that I know that I've held on to, which I think is so funny that every now and then you hear like serious liberal journalists like quote as if it's the <laughs> yeah. gospel, and, That's he'll be so like, funny. and it'll be like Andrew Tate came out and said that if a man was choking to death, he wouldn't give him CPR because it's gay. <laughs> I'm like that's so funny <laughs> see stuff like that is so fucking good that is hilarious and like uh, but <laughs> his thing though where he's like um, I love all his hypotheticals where like so he'll be like if if we're in a plane falling to the ground out of the sky and you can either have a, a male or a female pilot oh, rescue yeah. us who would you pick and he's like gun to the head of these podcasts is being like who would you fucking pick and like the nelk boys are like oh fuck oh fuck and it's like it's like i'll tell you who i'd pick the person who got us up there you know we didn't fucking jump off a cliff like and then people get freaked out by these hypotheticals like oh god he's right mm. like he's like if you were in a knife fight against seven Russian gangsters and you can only pick one person to help you, would you pick a man or a woman? And it's like, oh, oh, oh. and it's like, dude, this is so <laughs> beyond the pale. This is so ridiculous. It's like, um, but yeah, it's that thing of context though. And yeah. that's why Andrew Tate, no one knows what the fuck's going on because no one understands the context. Mm. And I, I definitely don't. Yeah, not at all. Oh, yeah. So, a couple of things I wanted to ask you. Mm-hmm. First thing I noticed this year, you've been touring around a bit. Yeah, a little bit. How you been finding it? What's your favorite city? What have you been hating? What have you been loving? All right. All I've done is I've gone to, so far, Brisbane and Newcastle. And it was just kind of like, so basically, I did my show in Sydney. I've been I've been following, actually, Dan. I've been uh, opening for Dan Muggleton on tour. And oh, that, yep, yep. That yep. was the first bit of, like, proper interstate uh, gigging I did and Adelaide fucking hated me like just re- like it was the first time I'd bombed bombed in a while where I had no excuse to and then he went up and did great and usually his audience kind of like my stuff and that was yeah, just yeah cause like a, his audience is like your audience a little bit like I think his is a, I think at that time as well I mean it was only, it wasn't that long ago but <sighs> You're like, I think at the time, looking back, it was, it was like Thursday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Reflecting, you know, July was a weird month. Yeah. And uh, no, I think, uh, I think I need to... So we talked about before, like, earning permission to do stuff. Like, I, I can't... Every time I go to write a new hour, 
I get on stage to try stuff. I'm like, oh yeah, I can't launch straight into cancer jokes. People like don't love that. I got to like win some favor, right? Yeah. So I don't think I just had, I didn't have quite enough sort of like measured, anyway, whatever. Uh, so with my own show, I did the show twice in Sydney and then I got offered to do the Good Chat Comedy Festival, which you're going up for this week. Is that right? I'm going this week. Is that for the festival or are you just doing a standalone show? I was going to do a standalone anyway and then I was going to do a standalone of Good Chat and yep. then this festival thing came up. Yeah, okay. So yeah. So I did that uh, and then when I got offered that, I was like, well, I might as well just do it a few other places uh, wherever it's going to be like kind of easy to do. Mm-hmm. So I went, I went Newcastle at Newcastle Comedy Club. And then I was like, well, I just done, I opened for Dan and Wollongong. So I'll do Wollongong as well. What I'm hating is having to sell tickets. Like it's so stressful. Like, cause we only, I mean, you do it more than me, but for the most part, like I've only ever had to do that. Like on three occasions for mm-hmm. a grand total of six shows or whatever. And just like the stress of being like, fuck, will anyone turn up? is so horrendous absolutely horrendous throwing money behind ads and just like seeing seeing ads running and no ticket sales i mean like fuck i'm just pissing money away right now yeah yeah i don't uh i don't do heaps of facebook advertising for that reason Mm. because i just like i'll I'll do it i'll do it 100 percent. but i'll only do it up to like not much money because i honestly have no idea what i'm doing yeah I vaguely know what I'm doing and I know it can work. I don't think it's not... Muggleton's the man at that. Yeah, he you taught me how to him. do it. Yeah. yeah. It's um, like, for me, it's... Um, I probably break even, I reckon, which is I'm kind of fine with because I'm not doing this for... I've got a job and whatever and I'm just trying to get in front of people. Uh, but I reckon like, you know, every dollar I spend on advertising, every dollar I get in tickets as I spend on advertising, I'd say. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean... It's your first tour. Yeah. This is my, uh, this is my, I guess, two and a half because I had like one where it mostly got cancelled due to COVID. But yeah. um, but this is my first one that's actually gone kind of okay mm. and I made a bit of money. But um, And what are you, are you finding? It's the same people coming back? A little bit, yeah. It's mostly just podcast listeners. and uh, But I think as well, what I've learned this year is that you know, it's all good stuff. Like keep chipping away, doing whatever you're doing as, as we all are. But I think you just sort of, you know, these things just take time. Mm. I mean, I personally have never had anything go particularly viral, but unless you get something that just cops like 10 million views, you know, it's going to be a fucking slog. Mm. And that's the, the way it's been for me. Like it's just sort of just gradually chipping away at it. And then, yeah. So I don't know, but I, it's fucking fun. Um, do you like Brisbane? Brisbane's like my favorite city. Brisbane went pretty well. I was pretty happy. I love that club. I love good chat. Yeah. What I felt so I did Brisbane and I had like forty there, and I did Newcastle. I had like twenty five or something. Dude, that's great. I was pretty happy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But for Newcastle, I was like twenty five. Well, I'd been in the room the night before, and it seats like a hundred. I'm like, fuck, this is gonna be bleak. And then I rock up, and they've done a really great job. They've got tables in. They've got it really like close and intimate. Whatever. I'm like, this looks awesome. This this is pretty good. Yeah. And the difference between Newcastle and Brisbane, in reflecting on it, is Newcastle. Everyone who was there knew what they were in for and were up for it. Like, because again, my stuff can get pretty like dark. Yeah. And they're like they're there, knowing that's the deal and up for it. And it doesn't mean they don't pull back from time to time, but for the most part, they're they're keen for it. Brisbane. I had a handful of people who did not know what the fuck they had signed up for. Like I had, 
there were there were a couple in particular. So right in front of me, I had a couple, a guy and a girl, and the girlfriend was just. It seemed like you know how you never really know because you kind of like only pick them up from time to time. But every time I looked, she looked to be having a horrendous time. Oh yeah. And I said to I said to her, I'm like, mate, what are you? What are you, bring the boys? Bring the boys to this gig. Don't bring her. Jesus. I'm like, I'm so sorry that he brought you to this. And then next to them were two girls straight out of a gender studies lecture, and I'm just like, what is? How has this happened? This is all. This is totally yeah. on you. Um, and I have quite a long diatribe about women's sport, which is uh, the only one that isn't really bathed in irony. So yep. uh, okay. they they could and they could not get out without making it very clear they were they were getting out. And then at the back, I'm unsure about this, but my girlfriend's dad is like my number one fan. He like listens. To, he'll listen to this 100%. Chris Green, I bet you're listening to this right now. He just he listens to everything. He watches everything. He loves talking about it. He told he's from Brisbane originally. Told his best mate in Brisbane to come and bring uh, to, to to come along. And he's like, oh yeah, he loves he loves your online stuff. He loves your social media stuff. And he rocked up with his wife and their two daughters. And okay. I was like, I, every time I was trying to kind of peer over, they're right at the back. I'm like, oh, I don't think you guys are having a good time. And then after the show. I was chatting to him. I was like, oh, are you Chris's mate? Thank you so much for coming. I really appreciate it. He goes, yeah, 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 mate. Uh, that's good. Uh, you know, look, fair play to you for doing it. Because, you know, I watch it. I'm like, who in their right mind would do this? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, thanks, mate. Good to good to be here. Appreciate you coming. I never think about that because you're like, do quite dark stuff and I don't. Mm. So like, if I'm- You do some, some punchlines have dark end, don't they? Oh, uh, I got some edgier stuff, but- um. But also, I'm such like a fucking simp to the room. Like, I'll riff it up. I'll do crowd work. I'll fucking do whatever. I'll do whatever just to you know get things going. Yeah. In the right direction. So, um, like I wouldn't. I whereas like I suppose. In fact, this was one of the questions I was going to ask, but we skipped past it. Like, what do you do when you're bombing because you don't riff or really do crowd work that much, mm. and um, you're just like very like structured in what you're doing up there. Mm-hmm. So if it's not going well, and you're like 20 minutes in or 15 minutes in, like what's Plan B? Uh, so like I've never really been I've never done an hour where it's like bombed it's always had the right people in the room for the most part um, if so if I'm going up and it's a shit show gig like there's uh, there's no like you know there's very little crowd or the crowd's rowdy or it's just not I will go and just and just like riff and crowd work but I have no I have no transition like I can't go from bits to crowd work. I'm yeah. one gear or the other. Yeah, you can't be like, oh, see, so you're a you're a nurse. Oh, that reminds me of uh, this serial rapist I wanted to talk about in my next joke. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I, 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 have you ever uh, have you ever attended to a patient of a school shooting? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, fuck it. Oh. So uh, yeah, no. So I'm happy to do that if the gig shit or I'll like. So I had this before I did good chat. Whenever I did my show, I went and did like a gig just at the uni. And it was at the uni bar to a bunch of like SRC members, like PhD candidates or whatever. And it was just a bad gig. And I, I think this is a bad quality of mine, to be honest. But I will like just riff on how shit the gig is or like how much I don't like the people sometimes. Yeah. Uh, which kind of works for my character a little bit. Um, but uh, yeah, if, if like I'm going up and I'm doing material and it's not... This is probably the most I've had. It was on opening for Dan when I had to do 15 to 20 and it just was not landing. And it was like... And this was just specific to Adelaide? Uh, it was that gig. Like, I had two... We did three gigs on Adelaide. One of them was a, a shitty gig, to be fair. There was hardly anyone there, but I definitely did the worst of everybody. And then uh, I had one all right night, and then I had the other one opening for Dan, which was shit. And I've never really had really bad times opening for Dan. It was just that one time, and I was like, oh, I don't know. Um, but 
when sometimes I'll go in and I'm uh, in my mind, this is what I always forget. It's like, I think I'm doing gentler stuff and they still pull back. And I'm like, fuck guys, I got nowhere to go, but down from here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This, this is my, this is me easing. This is me easing you into it. I was yep, talking yep, yep. to EJ Rivetti the other day and he was you quoting Joey Diaz. You ever listen to like Joey Diaz Rogan episodes or whatever? Uh, I used to. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, his basic character, but he was talking about, he saw a comic who came out too hard. He's like, he's like, uh, buddy, you can't, you can't just stick it in her ass. You got to suck on her titties a little bit first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay that's a good way to put it <laughs> but yeah i'm like guys i'm trying to do foreplay right now and you're not heating up at all and i've got, yeah. no, I've got no more moves left yeah fucking um, oath. so uh yeah Dude, i feel like this podcast has been like so ominous for people who aren't familiar with your stand you sound like a fucking <laughs> psycho or something but i but, but, no, but obviously i know you so but like mm. and also i gig with top all the time like his stand-up's really not like you're, you've got some dark stuff but mm. A lot of it's just pretty well-written setup punch. Like, I, you know. I hope so. I think, but I like dark stuff and I like Jezelnik and I like, you know, um, uh, who's the other fucking really dark guy that I like? Um, like, like Norm gets pretty dark at times. I've always been attracted to stuff like Ricky Gervais, although I'm not as much into it anymore. But I like stuff that pushes buttons that way. And yeah. um, I kind of think, like, I've had enough feedback from people to be like, that's the... I, I love Jim Jeffries. Like, Jim Jeffries was a massive... Yeah, I like Jim Jeffries a lot. Yeah, so I kind of know that like some people like that stuff, and it's kind of fucking they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other people don't. Um, But yeah, I don't really have. I don't have Plan Bs, unfortunately. I should. It would be a good professional move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I knew you didn't, but I just wanted to hear um, (laughs) hear your thoughts on that. (laughs) No, no, because it it is fucking interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Especially when you're going interstate and you're doing all sorts of stuff. yeah, it is fucking interesting. But anyway, mate, um, what's the special called? Is it's it called, called Tom Wickham is ignorant? Uh, I just I'm thinking it's just gonna be called ignorant. Tom Wickham ignorant. Yep. Like okay. Comedy first. That'll be on YouTube on Tom Whitcomb YouTube. Yep. Yep. TikTok Tom Whitcomb. Tom Whitcomb comedy. Tom Whitcomb comedy on TikTok Tom, and Instagram. If you Tom want to. W i t c o m b e. Oh, that I love that. You're better than most bookers. Hey. I still get fucking w h i. Like guys, we're in the group chat. The, the name's just there. Oh, really? <laughs> Fucking shit's made it tears. But anyway, so the special comes out. Um, it comes out what date? Wednesday, September 29th, I believe. Is that the right day? Perfect. 28th. Wednesday, September 28th. Perfect. Okay, so the the, the special came out yesterday. Oh, nice. Very good. So it's go there. check it out. Tom Whitcomb on YouTube. One of the best joke writers. Go give it a bloody geese. And, uh, and that's that. Thanks, mate. Thank you for having me. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it.